let's kick it off right now. How's everybody doing? BK here, and it is 6.40 p.m. West Coast time and beautiful San Diego. And uh, coming again every Friday, news roundup, get all the uh, news of the week. And occasionally I have special guests, and that is the case today with uh, my special guest, Dan. Dan, how are you? Oh, I'm just peachy. How you doing, Brian? Uh, good to have Dan here. Dan's a, a former member of the uh, U.S. Navy SEALs, and I thought I'd love to get him on. He's a friend from, uh, we both, uh, part of the veterans uh, kind of community at the local university, and uh, Dan and I have known each other a little bit now, and uh, had had a had a class together, and uh, thought I'd get him on to, uh, you know, I try to get all the veterans on that I can and, and get Dan's perspective. So, uh, again, dude, thanks for coming over, man, and making the drive. Uh, I should mention that Dan did bring his... Um, awesome basset hound who immediately shit in my lawn like not like like within 60 seconds of you hitting my front door there 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 he is booping away well you know she's a giver she's she's oh she that's right i forgot (laughs) even thank you thank you honey wherever you are she's probably in the back getting rousted by the cat uh anyway so uh dan like like i was telling you earlier um before we started you know whenever i get like a guest i I kind of go into their background. People always want to know, how did you get interested in the military? Where'd you grow up? So uh, why don't we start with there, kind of where, where'd you grow up? What part of the country? What got you into interested in the military and how that came about? Well, shoot, it's a pretty easy story. I grew up West Michigan. It's the nice part of Michigan. You've got like the Detroit, which is like the poor people crime part of Michigan. Right. And then you have, then you have the West side, which is, you know, the woods and the rivers and the trout and the deer and me. Right, right. And uh, I grew up there hunting and fishing. That's that's what I did my whole childhood. And I excelled in school. And I thought, well, you know, uh, the way this college thing goes is you apply wherever you want to go. And then, then you get in and that's what you do. And then I applied to Duke and I put all my eggs in one basket. So that was it was Duke or nothing kind it, of deal? It was Duke or nothing because right. I thought that that was the program. Right. And uh, Duke didn't want me. Oh, okay. So I ended up at a CC, and I started getting a little bit of trouble. Community college. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, at the uh, community college of Grand Rapids, got a little, tr- got in a little bit of trouble, and uh, kind of realized. Do you uh, want to elaborate on that trouble, or is that too? Is just, it too just boozing, just boozing oh, okay. with the with my high school friends who, right. uh, they aren't like my friends now. <laughs> Yeah, that's for that's that's a true that's for sure. Uh, you know, it comes in life where you have to cast people aside. You know, it, you do it, when you grow up, and you know, it's like, yeah, I know, I know, we knew each other when we were five, but you're a giant fucking alcoholic loser, so I got to go. Yeah, you didn't ever do anything, and I always believe in that. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Absolutely, and the books you read. Right. So. Okay, so you're at the, time for a change. So you're at the community college. You're hanging out with these dudes, and you realize I got to do something. I got to do something. Okay. So. Uh, my option was that first came to mind was military, and that's why I like all veterans because no matter what you did, or what you did in the military, or what branch, the fact is that when you signed up, whether you had a college degree and everything going for you, or you had nothing, you decided that you were going to do something you thought was the right thing to do. Right. Every veteran somewhere thought it was the right thing to do, and and that's part of the reason they made that decision. Right. The whole point of serving the country is like cliche as that sounds, yeah. but you do. It sounds kind of cheesy and like old-fashioned, but it's still a thing, and I, you know, it was part of the reason I did it, part yeah. of the reason you did it, part of the reason, like you said, pretty much probably everybody does it. You could, Yeah, any kid could sell it. It might not be the whole reason, no. but it, it could no. might only be a f- tiny fraction, but at least it's there. And I appreciate that. Yeah. 
And so I went over to the recruiter station. And I walked in the Marines first. So I thought these guys are bad. Yeah. And I said, hey, how does this pay? And they're like, well, it's not about the pay. You know, we save our money for the guys re-enlisting. And I said, man, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. <laughs> so wait, so you're looking for like a, a, an initial like bonus of some kind. Yeah. yeah. I, want a, I want an initial bonus. Right. You know, something. I, give, me, give me some cheddar. Right. So uh, I walked out of the Marines spot and I said, let me examine my options. And I went over to the Navy side, and I saw the special op program. I thought, EOD, that's, that's the one for me, my man. Bomb squad stuff, give me, give me my science credits, and I thought this would be a good stepping stone. Right. And uh, I signed the contract, and I started working towards it. And a guy named Joe Hart, he was our uh, special forces motivator guy. He'd take us to workouts and stuff. Pretty cool cap. He goes, well, Dan, you ever think about being a SEAL? Now, now, is this before boot camp even? This is before boot this camp. This is like a pre-MEPS yeah. kind of like... Yeah, it's like okay. a delayed entry program. I see. you got a okay. little time because you have to meet some physical standards. Right. And you can't get in trouble for, right. for a while, which can be a challenge for, right. for a young man. <laughs> Especially in Michigan, boozing yeah. it up. Okay, so you guys are working out kind of as a like a pre-boot you know pre -boot camp unit so kind of, all you guys who are going to go be EOD and everything? Yeah, exactly. EOD, Swickies, uh seal candidates and rescue swimmers that's the fourth one okay and we were working out and joe suggested seal and i said well you know let me think about it for a second and i and i did i probably thought about it for about five seconds i had one memory of that word and it was my dad saying something pretty cool about it i was like you so you had never heard of had you heard of uh, i mean it's not like now today where it's like ubiquitous right. but you hadn't heard you know of the seal community really the seal Navy SEAL was synonymous with Charlie Sheen in my mind. Absolutely. Who's, I mean, Tiger, awesome. tiger Blood. <laughs> Who's awesome. Tiger Blood. <laughs> hey, he took a header right over the Coronado Bridge out of the back of the Jeep. Remember in that movie? <laughs> I always, every time I drive over the Coronado Bridge, I'm like, dude, I wonder if I could live through that jump and, and probably not. Uh, so, uh, so you'd heard of it through your, through your dad, you said? Yeah, I had a, that was my memory, you know, and I think every young man, always wants to make their dad proud and i was like man that's a surefire way to do it let me uh let me pull the trigger on that i said yeah let's do it i changed my contract and headed off for boot camp and that was in what chicago the, the navy boot camp or yeah somewhere navy, around navy there? boot camps in chicago and, and how was how was uh, navy boot camp lame. probably similar to air force boot camp I oh imagine. my god <laughs> you, you lose weight because you can't work out right you get out of shape yeah yeah absolutely and they had us in this little like spec op candidates boot camp class so everybody's like trying to like do your pull-ups and your muscle-ups and push-ups at night right right we'll right. let you be like or you'd get in trouble because they'd be like hit the deck do push-ups be like this is the only way right i've got to fold my socks wrong <laughs> the clothing i need a workout so uh okay so you did that and then so you show up to buds I showed up to Buds, and I, you know, I had all my friends. We uh, had boot camp, and then we had this pre-Buds thing in Chicago. They kind of get you in like triathlon shape. Right. But, How long was the pre-Buds thing? I don't know, five weeks, six weeks. <laughs> that long? Yeah. Wow. A significant amount of time. Holy shit! Because everybody was dropping out. Even in pre, in pre-Buds. Oh, uh, we had people dropping out in pre-Buds, but at the time, SOCOM had a mandate to make more special operators. Okay. What, what time, what year, this give is, or take? This is in 2008. Okay. So, right. so, I mean, they were trying to make more SF guys. So they invented like that, the x-ray program where they take guys straight off the street right, instead of right. pulling from the 82nd or the 101st. Right. Okay. So you go, so, uh, so you finished the, so you, you do, you did pretty well. I'm imagining in the, in the pre buds training. Yeah. You know, I was probably, uh, 
I was probably like the 80th percentile. I'm, I'm not a top performer. Right. You know, there's guys who will crush me in every single thing that we do. (laughs) There's somebody better than me. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And we got to buds and I probably had, I don't know, like 25 friends. Oh, that's cool. You know, like five, like five good guys. And we went through and then I noticed on the first day I lost five of them. Right. On the second day, I lost another five, and I realized my friend bank was getting real short. Right, you know, and we have uh, first phase. Was all it was it like was it like when now was it like day one? Because with with us with at least with my class, you know, because uh-huh. they change it up every class. So you never really know what's coming. But in my class, we had shock and awe, minute one, day one, and it was like it was hellish for like the first three hours, like right off the bat. Was it like that with you guys or did they play like the good cop at first and then crush you? Or like, did they start right off the gate? Like just hammering you guys at buds? You know, they were, they were super nice. I remember getting picked up from the airport by some of the instructors and we all got in a bus and I was like, no, they just kind of driving us around being pretty nice. And I said, you know, this could be all right. (laughs) This, this could be okay. Sons of bitches. And it wasn't bad. You know, we did some workouts and stuff, but you know, day one of phase one, it's go time. Yeah. And, uh, no, it, it wasn't a shock and all three hours and then a slowdown. It it just started. Right. The pain started and the pain lasted for six months. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what, now what was your, did you, were you able to complete the, uh, the phase one, like straight through the first time? No, no, actually, uh, I went through, I was with class two, seven, four and I rolled through, but through boot, uh, geez, through hell week with those guys. And at the end. Well, before Hell Week, I had failed this thing. It's called drown proofing. They tie your feet together and your hands behind your oh, back. Oh, I know and, it well. Yeah. Yep. Well, I can't. I couldn't float. I was a wrestler, so floating was difficult for me. Right. On the top, and the rest of it, you know, who gives a crab man? Yeah. I can bob. I'll sit on on the bottom of the pool all day with bobbing. Yeah, it was relaxing. Full lungs of air. Right. Uh, but I couldn't float. My circles were too big. So I got uh, I got one more chance after Hell Week, and I failed. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't pass before, it's not like I was going to pass afterwards. Right. And I was in walk week. And so uh, a guy named Chris Gouda ended up being my master chief at T1. Actually, he pulls me out. And normally they board guys and they tell them like either, okay, you failed twice. We can either roll you and get another chance in a couple of months to try again with the next class. Yep. Or, you know, pack your bags and uh, hit the road, Jack. Yep. Chris just said, hey, don't fail next time. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's, the, and I think that's almost universal with a lot of the schools. It's like you get one refire, and then if you don't get that, then you got to get leave the course and, and come back at another time. Yeah, I felt pretty fortunate because I kind of made a name for myself in first phase. Um, actually, some of the guys I run into now at my climbing gym, they'll, be, they'll come and be like, hey, you're Dan Schoen, right? <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, hey, well, how's it going? I'm like, hey, we went through Buzz together, man. Uh, are you still an asshole? <laughs> well, you got to be. It's like survival, you know. You're yeah. in like survival mode. Okay, so but so you said you that happened post Hell Week. So did you have to recycle day one and go through Hell Week again? Because I I've heard mixed stories about no, that. No, if you're post Hell Week, you already got your brown shirt. Okay, that's what I've heard. Yeah, you do it once, and uh, so I had two months in uh, rollback land. Gosh, I've got a good story from that. And what do you guys do in, in that? So you're like the in-betweeners, the guys who've been injured or guys who right. had to refire on something and didn't right. make it. So You work on your 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 area of weakness. Right. That's your time to perfect because, you know, nobody ever gets everything right the first time. Right. But you, you got to get back up and you got to fix it and you yeah. got to go again. Time. Get and back so, on the horse. And so that was the time that we had to do it. Uh, it was actually a very special time in my life where... 
You know, uh, Ty Woods, he was one of the guys in uh, Benghazi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he beat my ass. He beat me from Sunday to Friday. It was it was all because I had a roommate. He was one of your instructors? Or? He was my instructor okay. in Brown Trout Rollback Land. Right. Yeah, and um, my roommate ended up going down to Tijuana and stabbing some hookers. <laughs> what? And, uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Savages. You people it really happened. It really happened. And it was big fallout for me. Cause he's like, Hey, you know, uh, why don't you go ahead and drop my man? I said, okay, well, uh, cause I reported, I'm like, Hey, my, my guy's missing. And I just ran into a guy who told me that some unknown Navy guy just got picked up in Mexico for stabbing hookers. And it just might be that it was him. So I thought I'd tell you. Um, just so you know, and it ended up being him and, uh, Ty Woods was not happy. He thought I should have known about it. I didn't. Right. And, uh, and it hurt. Right. So when I finally got out of Bronchard rollback land, I mean, it was, it was, it was a great relief. And I went through, uh, with two, seven, five class two, seven, five and it was cake. You know what I mean? I mean, it hurt. Things yeah. hurt. Things really hurt. But, uh, the rest of buds was challenging every day but they always gave you the tools right you know it's it's uh can you learn fast enough that that is what buzz is first off are you stubborn and can you stick to a commitment that you make no matter what tools i remember there being times in first phase or hell week where i was like you know what fuck this yeah if i can if i, I made a deal with myself i said if i pass out then i get a break right and nobody will be upset with me i will wake up I'll take a nice big breath through my nose, maybe try to weasel a snack out of it or some hot coffee, and then I'll go back at it. So what was, uh, so now phase one, when you're out here in San Diego and you're on Coronado Island, yeah. uh, you know, you're doing a lot of like get wet and sandy and all that stuff. What was like the biggest sucky thing for you? Like you said you couldn't float. Was there, was there another piece of PT that you either really hated or you were, had a really difficult time with, either in the pool or on land or anything like log PT, any of that shit, or just the getting wet and sandy. Was that the worst part? I loved log PT. Did <laughs> you I, would? Yeah. I, I love log PT because I was I was one of the stronger guys, and I love to see those little girls cry. Right. But uh, man, things that I didn't like, I didn't really care that much for treading water that didn't happen a whole lot the worst day i ever had in first phase was wednesday night of hell week it's called camp surf and uh and how how far into wednesday is that 48 hours into it does it start monday or do you, you start you start on sunday so okay you start sunday so you're well night. into it by that time One, two three yeah so you're like 80 hours into it okay you're like 80 hours in and uh they give you a night, so you're right on the ocean. There's like right. a, a big berm coming off the ocean, and you're on top of it. You know, so that that nice cool air is whipping over your wet sandy body. Right, and uh, you basically dig out a square in the sand, so there's a stage in the middle, and then uh, with your paddles, and then they've got a nice little siren, and they'll set it off every twenty seconds to three minutes, and you go get wet sandy again. You come back, they check you, and I just remember being that was the coldest I've ever been. The whole time that, that was that was it. That was what time of year was this? Uh, I was in December. Oh God, that would suck. Yeah, this, this it does get cold in Southern California, people. Just in case you didn't know, it's not like Florida here, you know, <laughs> where it's like you're sweating at night. That doesn't happen here. Yeah, it starts getting it starts starts getting cold in late November. Probably gets the worst in February. Right. 
and this was a this was a cool evening. I okay, think. so you got through so you got through first phase, and then what was and then uh, second phase? That's more like the dive phase, correct? That's, that's exactly right. It's, okay, it's dive phase, and uh, this is where they will just make up reasons to make you get wet and cold, or carry your gear back from the dive site down the strand three or four miles. Oh, that's a good time because that just because. Just because, yeah. Just because, and they'll be like, "Hey, you know, you guys got to you got to pay for what you did. You guys messed up, but you never messed up. You know, they're just mind fucking you, right? They're okay. always mind fucking." And so that was like a lot of like, uh, I know they have like a training tank over there, uh, a big big ass pool for you guys, and then yeah. you were and then you were doing uh, 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 comp- dives. compass dives in the bay, right? Yeah. Okay. You usually get to dive it during the day, and then you go into that filthy San Diego Bay in the middle of the oh, night, yeah. and you know you battle stingrays through the mud flats mm-hmm. throughout the evening. And uh, when you get done, you know you've got just enough time to hang up your your wetsuit so that it's cold as ice for your next dive in the morning. Right. So you get to put it back on after yep. it's been in. A, yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So then, all right. So you get through that, and then phase three is the island, right? You know what? There's one more notable thing in second oh, phase. Yeah. That's a, it's pool comp. The basic idea is you go in with this. It's a Drager rig, so it's a rebreather. It's got two hoses on it, yep. and they do like a like a surf hit. So they'll they'll messy oh, they'll messy all <laughs> up. They'll uh, right. you know try to simulate like a big wave breaking on yep. your head. Yeah. And then they'll tie knots into your hoses. Yeah, that uh, that is similar to what they did at Key West. Same thing, called also called one man comp is what they call it in the in, in Key West. And oh, it's the same perfect. thing. They put a blacked out mask on you. Yeah. They start tying knots in your shit, yeah. hitting you all over. Yeah, and you follow procedures, right? And if you don't, and if you come up to the ear, you fail. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's all about uh, can you keep your head under stress? I can tell you that that shit does suck, and it it's not it's not a quick thing. It's uh, like twenty minutes or so of yeah, music, you know, and and they escalate it. I'm sure it's similar yep. with you. They start yep. off with just ripping your regulator out of your mouth, no problem. Anybody yeah. can get that. <laughs> then like they start, ta- yeah. Then they start, but then they start flipping you upside down and shit. Same thing. Yep. Uh, brutal, man. Yeah, that was uh, that was not pleasant at all. But you finished that. You had to feel good, and now you're like, now when you finish that that phase, are you starting to feel like, dude? You know, the end is near. I've got traction. Okay. That's how you feel. And then you get to third phase. You know, and I think this is where they kind of give you that dog bone to make you think, oh, it's all going to be okay. Right. Because you spend the first two weeks of third, no, first week of third phase, it's called land navigation. We go out to Laguna Mountains. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's scenic. It's it's peaceful. And, and you're learning how to use your compass, read maps, find points. You know, it's just you and your bros camping pretty much. Right. And, and things are beautiful. And then at the end of that week, they say, okay, guys, ready? Uh, we're going to give you a nice big gear list. You know, they give you lots of gear. They say, we're going to go out to San Clemente Island. It's an island about 60 miles away from San Diego. It's uh, right off of, like, Long Beach. Right. And uh, once you get out there, no one can hear your scream. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's got a bit of a rep from all the uh, from all my SEAL buddies that I've talked to about, like, yeah, that's what it is. It's like, okay, you know, before phase one and two, you're at the big flagpole here in San Diego. But yeah. out and out and now you're out at the island and, and nobody nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, you're, you're on your own and it's pretty much your class versus the instructors and they have a definitive advantage. Yeah. So what, and how long were you out there? So you're out there for one month. Oh, man. 
you're out there for one month and it's, you know, more land nav and underwater demolitions. You kind of get your first taste of uh, setting demolition charges on mm-hmm. barricades. You know, that's always like a hoo day. Right. Um, and then battling cactus and fatigue. Really, it's... it's so what happens at the end of the, so then what happened at the end of the thirty days was is, it, is that like a momentous thing? It's like we're leaving the island, or is it like- yeah, I mean it, it's a great day. It's a great day. I remember um, two days before we left, uh, we spent uh, an entire night after we had a hiccup in a in a navigation, uh, a night navigation. We we spent a night getting wet and sandy every 30 minutes on the 30 minutes and then, and then you get you know basically takes five minutes to run down to the beach and get wet and sandy and then you get back up and you pretty much turn on the showers we try to turn them on hot you know uh so we could lay them for those 30 minutes and then about halfway through the night we ran out of hot water so oh god so do you do it with cold water or just left them off we just left them off and yeah. everybody everybody got into a nice big pile oh uh, there you go Spoon and a spoon with your buddy. You know, it is Pride Weekend. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. I don't even want to know. Uh, All right. So you finish. I mean, uh, so at the end, and then that's it. Then it's time to graduate. Yeah, well, it's time to graduate, buds. Right. That's Yeah, that's what I meant. But still, I mean, you get your trident. You start like, no, you don't? No. Okay. No, you've got to go through SQT before you get your trident. Okay, but you did, but did, when you graduate, buds, is there like a ceremony of some kind? Yeah, there's ceremonies. Usually, uh, you know, the guys and if anybody's family kind of lives close, they can come. But uh, it's mostly just for you with your fellas because you've pretty much made it through the selection process. Right. You know, uh, Army SF has, was it it's 21 days, 19 yeah. to 21 days. Yep. And they're like, man, that 21 days. Yeah. That was hard, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, that's why team guys kind of kind of giggles because that shit was six months yeah it's a it's a it's a long time that's for sure so but but you okay so you're pride it's definitely a, a monumental step you know you've taken a step yeah. okay so then what happens so then you finish that and then you go on to like you said this is uh it's tactics called, yeah you go on to tactics so it's all seal qualification training and that's when the classified training begins and they're basically teaching you everything that you need to know to walk into a platoon on the first day and be a fucking new guy that doesn't get his ass beat every day. Right. And how long, how long was that? Uh, man, give or take, you know, ballpark. I got a little bump on the head, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, it's either 12 months or 18 months. I can never remember. Okay. I think it's, I think it's 18 months. And this is where, you know, uh, this is where you guys are doing like a lot of CQB, live fire, kill house stuff. Yeah. That's, that's usually like the one item that guys that we still get attrition from is guys will fail house runs but you know that's the bread and butter of of navy seals is taking down structures right that's what we do better than anyone is a direct assault on structures and today's day and age people fucking live in buildings and they're always in buildings yeah they are so, uh, or mud huts or whatever other kind of structure yeah if it's going to be you know like open air or airfield you know call delta or call rangers if it's going to be a plane call fbi hostage rescue team that's their that's their deal but if it's going to be a building that you know that's when dev group gets called so what was your biggest uh, what do you think was your biggest challenge in the sqt then like what was tough for you or was it all were you just drinking it in i was drinking it in i yeah. loved it nice i loved it it was it was a blast we got so, to, 
Okay, so that now did and you go through that with the same group of guys? Well, you actually go through that with uh, two buds classes. They kind of stick guys together in bigger groups, just because it takes longer. And by the end of buds, there's not really a lot of people left. Right. So it just makes sense. Right. Absolutely. So you okay? So you get through that, and now the big day comes, and you're you're done. You're you're officially. Officially a seal. Must get, have been a great day. Yeah, I got the got my trident at the uh, at our ceremony. My family flew out. My family actually, and my uncle Doug, he was the only other uh, military guy in my family. He was actually a, a Navy cat too, and uh, he gave me some good advice. Him when I was signing up, he was like, "Don't trust anything they say. <laughs> you know, they're filling a quota, and, and they don't care if they ruin your future for it. Don't trust anything they say." Right. And he was also the guy who told me, "It is what you make it." Right. So now, did you guys have? Uh, did you did you put in for assignments? Uh, d- did they just put you where you wanted? You had a first choice, second choice kind of deal. How'd that work? Yeah, back when we were on the island, they uh, threw up on the whiteboard. They're like, "Hey, we've got East Coast, West Coast, or uh, 18 Delta, which is our special operations uh, medical." Yeah, it's the Ar- Army course, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's put on for. Um, um, Greenie beanies, yeah. Rangers. We used to send all our guys to that too, but then it got backlogged, and they said, "Fuck it, we're going to make our own school." I think the PJ school probably ended up a lot better. It it's, uh, makes more sense. It's all in house, you know, so it's it's just more manageable. Um, so so what did you what did you what what was your first pick, and did you get that first pick? Well, I picked I picked eighteen Delta, and then my secondary was going to be the East Coast because back then the Easties were, I mean, they were they were fighting the war, and the West Coast guys were kind of you know chilling in the sun. No kidding. So I. Uh, I wanted to go to 18 Delta and then go East Coast. So is that what you got? That's what I got. Nice. Uh, they sent me right out there. Um, my early on academic, you know, standardized scores from the military were, were high enough. They said, yeah, let's do it. And right. I, I went out and crushed 18 Delta. And that is not an easy course. Crushed it. Yeah. It was, I mean. Now you it, guys did the short course, right? You did. That's all they let us at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, so for, I should explain for people who don't know. 18 Delta is the Army designation for the uh, special for Army Special Forces medic. Now the regular course I think is I believe is like 52 weeks long. It's like a fucking year long, and uh, basically this not only gives you this takes you to almost PA level. Plus you're doing a lot of SF Bubba stuff like you know uh, veterinary medicine and like uh, yep. tooth decay and shit like that. You're but a but dentist, for the right, PA, but vet. then a lot of guys go through what they call the short 18 Delta course, and this is like a Ranger medic, SEAL medic type thing, and it used to be PJs, where it's like basically you do like the first half, which is like your paramedic stuff, trauma. Uh, sick call medicine, stuff like that. Yeah, you skip the clinical. You get a little bit of veterinary medicine. Right. Just enough to to get you by, you know, because we work with the dogs, and so some sometimes dogs get shot. Sometimes Absolutely. dogs get yeah. sick, and so you gotta you got to have some tricks up your sleeve for it. But, yeah, we miss a lot of the clinical stuff. So what was your first duty station after that? First, well, there, there comes the story why I didn't go to the East Coast. I was out there, and there was a, a SEAL lieutenant who had gotten a organ transplant and when he got the organ transplant for some reason his body rejected his like pre-existing lungs oh jeez! And, and so he's in a hospital bed in north carolina and he's dying oh god and we you know we found out through a guy named jeff benson he was like he was an old guy seal for us he done his three pumps and said i want to go to 18 delta if i'm going to re-enlist you know right after three pumps especially in 2010 they were you got it buddy yeah so they whatever you want and jeff jeff knew the guy and so we, we go there and we visit him and talk to him and, and i asked for some advice and he said 
He said, Dan, don't chase the war. Go where you want to live. Right. Because if you chase the war, you'll be disappointed. Right. So, okay. So then what'd you end up doing? I followed his advice and I went to the West Coast, baby. Fun in the sun. Fucking absolutely. Would you rather be here? Honestly, look outside right now. Would you rather be here or friggin' North Carolina right now? Virginia. Or Virginia, sorry. Virginia Beach where there is nothing... The lack of choices for entertainment after work is so <laughs> severe that guys just end up going to the bar with the, with the same guys that they worked with all day. Right. Oh, man. I mean, it makes for a great brotherhood. But, yeah, absolutely. But also it makes for alcoholics. Uh, so, uh, okay, so then you, and then you finally deployed. Uh, where was your first deployment? My first deployment was to the UAE. We uh, stood up the crisis response element out in Abu Dhabi, basically on the Straits of Hormuz. So... We set up a platform where you can launch special operators with their vehicles, be it boats or Humvees or side-by-sides. And any area of the Middle East with a six-hour notice. So let's say... um, Let's say tanker, a tanker gets blown up in the Persian Gulf. Mm -hmm. Well, we we can fly over with a C-17. We kick the boats out the back of the plane at... You know, 15,000 feet, guys parachute afterwards, get on the boats, go take it down, secure the vessel. Uh, Embassy gets overrun in Yemen. We fly over top. We kick out Humvees and side-by-sides. We parachute in after and We get on the ground. We secure the Embassy, and then we get ready for for, uh, Helivax. Okay, cool. And then when did you, um, and, and when you find, and then you, you did that and then you deployed to Afghanistan or did you go to Iraq? I got, I got Paycom on my second pump. What to explain what that means? Paycom is like, think the 1990s SEAL. It's going to the Pacific and training guys in the islands and jumping around from uh, Thailand, Taiwan, Philippines. We based out of Guam. Um, where else, you guys? Bali, Indonesia. Yeah, throughout Indonesia. How long did you? How long was that tour? That's six months. Wow. It's like a big vacation. Yeah, it sounds pretty friggin' epic. Well, at the end of that vacation, which is not what I signed up for, <laughs> I had I had made up my mind that I was gonna go ahead and go ahead and leave the teams and go pursue my interests elsewhere because for that very reason. Right. So you were so it didn't yeah, you just wrong that's what I've heard so many stories from so many different guys that I've had in the, on this podcast. You never know. The guy who's going to be in the right spot at the right time. It could be the biggest fucking soup sandwich that you went through selection with, <laughs> but he happened to be at the right spot where he got the the yep. big mish and he got mm-hmm. the yeah. Uh, it's I've I've heard the story a million times. You nailed it. Yeah, nailed it, it. it just is. And then everybody sits around going, "Are you believe that's this motherfucker is the one who got it? Fucking uh-huh. unbelievable!" Yeah, it happens. Uh-huh. Happens all the time. I've heard it a million times. And- uh, so you decided. So and and so you finally decided you know what I'm I'm going to move on with my life. I decided to move on after after I got the Paycom deployment. Um, I mean, when I came in, they said, "Hey, you know, they'd ask everybody. They bring you in a room by yourself. They say, hey, why do you want to be here?'" And I said, "I want to shoot bad guys in the face.'" Yeah, and they they were like, "Fuck yeah, <laughs> get out of here." Fuck yeah, <laughs> <laughs> good answer, Rook. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, so, okay. So how, and how was that? How was your transition out of the uh, military? Because, you know, this is what seems to have, you know, a lot of our fellow veteran brothers and sisters have a hard time with it, you know? So how, talk about that a little bit. I tell you what, um, I was scared. Yeah. There's Cause a, you've been institutionalized to a certain extent is yeah, what I think happens. I like was, when you go to prison, 
Yeah, that's you know? that's certainly what it is. The amount of uncertainty that I had was a huge source of stress. I I didn't know where the next mostly financial, you know what I mean? Sure. I wanted to do whatever I wanted all the time. That sounded great. But how I was gonna pay for it, I, I had no idea. I mean right. I went in I went in as a kid. I was nineteen. Yeah. And then coming out, you know, now I'm a twenty five year old kid. Yeah. With no life experience really, except yeah. for, you know, in that very limited arena. Right. And uh, I really, I really thought about walking back several times. So what was that? Uh, so you get out, and where were you here in San Diego? And you're, you're like, where do I go from here? Well, I actually had, a, I actually kind of formulated a plan before I got out. My plan was to uh, open up some medical marijuana dispensaries. Right. <laughs> I'm glad you. Said I wanted to get into this later, but uh, yeah. So you, how did that? And how did that go for you? I'll tell you what. I had a blast. Yeah. We, we ended up having uh, four locations. It's all pretty much pirate. So you, you try to pay taxes where you can, and then paying taxes gets you in trouble with uh, local authorities. And so you get shut down. How so? Um, because you pay taxes, and they ask you what it's for, and then they'll send somebody in to see what your actual business is. They find out what well, this it is. is. This is pre, uh, pre-legal weed. This, which this is, is today. What? This is this is today. There are a couple of because I've heard those stories before, where like banks don't want your business and shit like that. Like yeah. it seems to me like something out of the old timey days, you know, where they like don't want they don't want the they don't want the uh, the adult porno they don't want the legal pornography business. You know, they're all moral about it. No, they certainly want that money. The problem is that they're all FDIC insured, right? And since that's a federal institution they're not allowed to accept dollars that are acquired in a way that's not I in see. regulations because just because law. it's legal in california doesn't mean the feds i see yeah and the feds are the big dogs but as far so and and you said you've told me we've talked about this before the the business part of of selling marijuana and you learned some lessons on that i learned a lot of lessons i learned that um my confidence in a battle arena should not be transferred over to every endeavor that I that I undertake. And then, just because I'm good at the kill house, maybe I maybe I should read a yeah, finance book or something. Exactly. Like that. And I didn't I didn't understand cash management was my number one, and I uh, also didn't understand that when you are on a team besides a team of special operators who are trusting each other to save each other's lives. You can't trust other human beings all the time. Yeah, this isn't this isn't the brotherhood. This is like the business world. This is the business and I got took. No shit. I got took for pretty much for all the money that I saved that I had in my like my savings account. All the money. In fact, I still make payments to my last investor to this day. Every <sighs> month, every month I make payments. So, what was your hard lesson takeaway from that? Like, how to be prepared if you had to give advice to somebody who's gonna not eat, not just the marijuana business, but any kind of business. My my major lesson there was be careful and think things through, and never think that you're gonna make money fast. You you may be able to make a lot of money, but you're gonna make a lot of money by putting a great system in place and then modern monitoring it every day there's no such thing as set it and forget it when it comes with business that's just not how it is if you if you really want to succeed and take it to the next level you have to be there every day not only do you have to have a good idea but you have to be there every day and you have to follow through so no get rich quick schemes there is there is never a get rich quick scheme and you know the higher the the reward i can guarantee you the higher the risk so what's uh, so now? Okay, so you did that, but you, you you know it was a bad experience, but you came out of it. Lessons, hard lessons learned, as hard. have we all. 
Uh, so what's the so what's your uh, what are you looking to do in the future then? Um, right now, I am back to school at USD, and I'm going to be a PA. Um, it's it's the best. It's the best work that I ever did in the military. I love medicine. It was fantastic. And I really liked talking to the guys, you know. Yeah. I was responsible for the health of, of my platoon. And, and I've never had such a good feeling. That was my service, you know. It's uh, service is joy, you know, as the Buddha said. And the man's on point. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. I mean, my I had a uh, an old pipeline buddy here. If you guys uh, listen to this podcast, you guys, you guys remember Aaron. Uh, my PJ buddy, and he's he's a PA now. Uh, so and he he freaking loves it. And he says it's uh, great. And plus your your job opportunities. Not only can you work here in the states, there is like so many there's so many companies that want to hire PAs for like offsite locations. You know, like whether it's uh, offshore oil rigs. Yep. Uh, National Nat Geo is filming a, a show in Alaska. Well, they need a guy for sick call over there. You know, and they pay they pay big bucks. It's good money. You know, and if you want to travel the world, still it's it's, it's, a, it's a good gig. Sweet gig. Um, well, dude, uh, I mean, that's uh, it's good stuff, man. I mean, thank you for your service. Like, like I always tell people, it's uh, it's a hell of a hell of a ride for you so far, right? <laughs> so far, so good. It's 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 been a blast so far. I never would have expected this when I signed that dotted line. Uh, well, how about uh, you? Ready to get some news on? How about we do this? Um, uh, the first. Uh, this is probably like kind of a this is kind of a bummer way to start. But um, did you hear about this mer- the C one thirty that went down with all those Marsai guys on it? Yeah, like yeah. I had a bunch of questions about that. First of all, they said it was like a KC one thirty, which is normally a tanker, I think. And then they were like, oh, we had a bunch of Marsai guys on here, and I'm like, why were they on that? I, I don't know. Maybe they're just hitching a ride or what. But uh, uh, this happened in Mississippi. In case you guys uh, didn't know, um, it was a KC one thirty. In, and it crashed in western Mississippi, and it killed all 16 troops on board, uh, leaving two large impact areas. And one impact area, uh, what they, they basically had two large impact areas about, about a mile apart from one another. So they're wondering if this didn't happen like sometime in air. They're obviously still doing a big investigation on this. Wow. Uh, but indications, the, uh, a quote here from um, uh, Marine Brigadier General Bradley James said indications or something went wrong at cruising altitude. That's crazy. Like it was something some kind of catastrophic. With, yeah. At cruising altitude that separated a plane into two pieces. Yes. Um, they found, they did find one of the, yeah, they, they found a couple of the, uh, the engines apart from one another. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just scrolling through the story here. And, uh, but yeah, it's a fucking terrible story. And uh, uh, our thoughts here obviously go out to all of our uh, Marine brothers out there. But yeah, it was a bunch of uh, it was a bunch of uh, Marsoc Marines, so critical skills operators out there on this C-130. And again, I don't know if they were just uh, hitching a ride somewhere, but um, a KC-130 is is usually like some kind of uh, tanker, I believe. If I have all my aircraft nomenclature right, as in a fuel carrying aircraft yeah it's bizarre yeah that's what i'm saying i I don't know i don't know it's uh that when i first heard that that's why it was so odd to me when i first heard it um and that's not the only this you know and this one that that's this is the other military story i want to get into and this one kind of really slipped under the radar did you hear about this this air force guy who blew up the recruiting center (laughs) did you hear about you didn't hear about this I, i can't believe how little news this has gotten um this happened in tulsa oklahoma a 28 year old man is facing federal charges in a pipe bomb explosion outside an Air Force recruiting center in Oklahoma. And he was a member of the Air Force 
and was decorated for his service. Well, that doesn't mean anything. A 28-year-old? 28-year-old. Enlisted Air Force active duty in April 2012. Joined the state's National Air Guard. Um, His name is Benjamin Don Roden. Did he did he blow it up like during operating hours? I'm looking. Uh, no, it was at nighttime. <clears throat> Just scrolling through, he was a senior airman. His job was uh, fire protection, so like uh, he's like some kind of firefighter. Um, but he had been discharged from the National Guard. But the spokesman for the National Guard didn't give a reason why he was discharged. But it was funny because one of the other guys who writes for SoftRep got on this guy's uh, Facebook account, yeah. which was open to the public. And he, was, he had all kinds of weird shit. I tweeted out, if you follow me on Twitter, at BK Actual, this guy tweeted out a picture of him. He, he put on his Facebook page a picture of him completely nude, just cupping his dick and balls. But like other than that, totally nude. I'm like... What fucking weirdo puts like a naked on Facebook? Like it's very public, and he doesn't even like have any privacy settings on it. I like went right to his Facebook page. I was like the first picture I saw. I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy's a psycho, obviously. Yeah. So the pipe bomb wasn't the first weird thing he's no, done. No, 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 not at all. Uh, yeah, he's facing federal charges: possession of explosive materials, destruction of government property. And this is in the Tulsa suburb of Bixby. The recruiting center was closed at the time, and nobody was hurt. Although the office door was blown off in the explosion. So, I mean, you've done demo. That's that's not an insignificant blast, you know. The friggin' door is blown off. Yeah, the Brazon's level must be high enough. He must use smokeless powder. Yeah, um, they are not. <clears throat> this is FBI agent Jesse Rice said they are no longer investigating the pipe bomb as an act of domestic terrorism. Um, that's strange to me. Just a pissed off guy. I yeah, there he got out. He was sour at the National Guard. I mean, if he had set it off during operating hours, I'd have a totally different beef with this guy. But yeah, it sounds like he was sour and he was dumb enough to get caught. This FBI agent is telling report. I mean, dude, if you, of course, you're gonna get caught in this day Are and you? age. Yes, Are you? yeah. In this day and age, you? if you set off an explosion in America. They're going to catch you. No Because way. the FBI is going to... Yeah, I know. This fucking brainiac, though, probably thought he was smarter than the cops, like what all the criminals idiot. do. Dude, the FBI is going to send the house if you blow something up in America in this day and age, okay? No so don't no. think you're going to fucking get away with it. Unless you ride a bicycle in, like, 10 miles and hop into, like, some sort of... Like, wear, wear a hoodie. You have to understand... You have to assume that you're being filmed at all times. So you'd Film. have to wear, like, a hoodie, dark glasses. Any Look, we're, we're giving the terrorists... We're giving the terrorists all a bunch of advice here. <laughs> it's probably, probably not the best thing. Um... There's just a better way to do it. You know, if you're, if you're sour, sour at the Air National Guard, first Some, off, maybe you pick a more uh, worthy opponent. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's not like this isn't like, you know, Ranger Battalion, uh, <laughs> you know, r- selection. You're, you're probably being treated pretty, pretty well. Yeah. Or like you said, or, or buds or anything else. Um, you know, I had a whole story on fucking Donald Trump Jr. here and that whole scandal that I, I was going to get to. But uh, frankly, I, I'm so fucking tired of hearing about this shit that I think just on the fly, I'm going to skip it. Basically, I'll just give you the rundown if you haven't heard. Uh, the me- This is the media's latest uh, Trump obsession that Donald Trump Jr. Now, don't get it me wrong. It sounds like he was kind of naive and dumb, like about... You know, hey, a Russian chick wants to meet you. You know, what do you think that you have to assume if you're going to be in politics? And I know that they're new to politics, but even as a businessman, you should probably know just assume that you're being watched and surveilled at all times. I don't know if they don't have that or if there was malice behind it. Sounds to me like the guy was just kind of dumb, you know? How old is he? He's 39, I believe. 
So he's okay. older. He's older than you. <laughs> well, now that we got on it, uh, I'm just. I'm. Yeah, I know. I can't. I'm so tired of this shit. But yeah, this is. Uh, but it sells. That's why it's still there because it, people are interested. Well, and, and people are interested, and we have a media that is is determined to destroy this family. I saw another article today. The Washington Post had like four reporters do a story. They traced all of Ivanka Trump's like all the factories that do her. You know, she sells jewelry and shit, and they they went to China to document how horrible the living conditions are. And I'm like, okay, now do Apple. Now do every other fucking American company that does the exact same shit, but no, you want to put it in Ivanka Trump so you can bring her down too. I think think all the negative coverage on the presidential family kind of points to, to only one rational explanation, and that is that the corporations that own those media outlets probably spent a lot of money on Hillary Clinton's campaign and they thought they were going to win. And it's good for ratings. It's great. These cable news shows are having gangbuster ratings because people eat this shit up. They eat it up now, but what was, you know, what was like the original strike? Like, this thing, this ball got rolling somewhere. Well, here's where it got rolling, and I'm, and I'm actually, I'm glad you brought that up because this keeps getting lost in the shuffle. The, the, you know, Hillary Clinton's campaign people wrote a book called Shattered, Inside Hillary Clinton's Doomed Campaign, right? Uh-huh. This isn't the right-wing hit job. These are people who worked on Hillary's campaign, and yeah. they said in that book, the night of the election, when it became apparent that she was about to lose, uh-huh. they sat around and started cooking up this, we got to blame Russia, and that'll cast a whole... Paul of uncertainty over his entire presidency. And nobody ever talks about that. Like, that's how it started. And then they started feeding their buddies all this other stuff. And then the Trumps don't help themselves because they're, like I said, they're 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 dumb. They they do a lot of dumb shit, like leave things off of security clearance forms. Now, Donald Trump Jr. is not a government employee, so I'm not sure what they intend. There's nothing you can do about it. He took a meeting with some people, yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't look good, but I don't think there's any laws being broken, so but no. this is just kind of a lot of hysteria. Um, but yeah, he wrote back like basically this was some guy, some weirdo, some 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 Russian like concert promoter who <laughs> who hits up him saying, "Hey, I got this chick that you should meet because she's got some uh, she's got some dirt on Hillary." And Donald Trump Jr. wrote back, "If it's what you say, I love it, especially later in the summer." Talking about, "Yeah, I want to hear this dirt." I mean, who wouldn't want to hear it? You know? Yeah. But uh, Donald Trump Jr. went in there and uh, and basically nothing happened. And they said everybody got bored and the meeting wrapped up when it became this chick hadn't this chick didn't have anything. And uh, and that was it. And it's over. But now this is like evidence of uh, some kind of uh, everybody's a Russian spy. So and then Donald Trump Jr. sent out all the emails to The New York Times because The New York Times said, um, yeah, we've got a, we're, we've got these emails and we're going to release them. So he decided to beat him to the punch. What is what is America's big beef? with russia that's not the soviet union anymore i mean if you're gonna take one hillary other- hillary had a reset button remember that when she went over there and then we were gonna be buddies and and but no now they're like no it's turned into they are this is like the cold war all over again no no it's not it's not the 80s man soviet soviet russia is done russia now, is a weak russia is a weak country don't a get weak it country right with a bunch of good folks and i mean they won world war ii dude they why ha- are we mad right. at them they have they have nukes but they are also economically kind of a basket case and yeah. people keep overlooking that part yeah. like yeah they have nukes but other than that the country's kind of weak but it what blows my mind is our 
we, we have no problem hanging out with all these uh, backwards-ass theocracies in the Middle East. You know, Saudi Arabia can donate all kinds of money to Hillary Clinton's uh, a slush fund for her campaign. But, uh, yeah, having a meeting with Russia is... And, and it's not even clear. This chick denies that she's even attached to the Kremlin, which, of course, she would. But I don't know. I don't understand the, the, the Russia hysteria. You should go on social media and see this shit. Everybody, if you say anything about Trump, everybody's just like, oh, yeah, say hello to Putin for me. Like, assuming I'm a Russian spy. It's fucking unbelievable, dude. The paranoia. Great. Great. I, I think Russia is going to be one of our greatest allies in the future. I mean, look, China. China is still communist. Not only that, their business practice is to rape the earth and manufacture things while, you know, putting their citizens in extreme economic hardship. You have any, any anywhere throughout the, the Arab world, those people are living in a desert and pulling out their oil reserves. They when got those nothing oil other reserves than oil. Are done, yeah. That's it. Nobody yeah. buys dates. It's not a thing. They're no. that's over. That's it's <laughs> game over. I know. But what and and that's where the fracking comes in and why we're why oil has come down 60% in a couple of years because all of a sudden they're like holy shit, we have way more oil than we possibly need right now. And now they uh breaking right before we came on this podcast, there's another name came out at this meeting that Donald Trump Jr had. Uh he's some Russian American lobbyist. And uh, basically now uh, everything is like, and he also, this, this Russian-American lobbyist whose name is Renat Akhmetshin, I'm probably butchering that name. Wow. But he, uh, you know, he served in the Russian military, but it was compulsory, right? But the New York Times is like, he served in the Russian military. <laughs> and it's like, he's like, like and this else. dude said, yeah, I did it just like everybody else had to do. Uh, he left the military. Uh, he served from 1986 to 1988. Two big years. Come on. And he said he did not have any ties to Russian intelligence. Well, that's what they want you to say. <laughs> I know. It's fucking unbelievable, bro. Uh, but uh, you know what? I, normally, as you guys know who listen to this podcast, I go into great detail about these kind of stuff. But uh, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Not We're going to walk away. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to wash, wash my hands of it, Dan. You're the bigger man. Um, <laughs> this story is from my sister. And I know you'll probably like this because my sister lives in the uh, far left-wing town of Seattle. Oh, nice. Uh, two King County Superior Court judges are asking for help cleaning up the courthouse in Seattle because uh, two jurors and half a dozen employees have been insulted. And they say that these judges uh, also, they say the courthouse is surrounded by unsanitary and potentially frightening, frightening atmosphere around it and they have they're having a hard time of getting people like potential jurors to even come to the courthouse because, because of the it's, hobos it's surrounded by hobos it's surrounded by urine and feces oh, all man. over the place um they asked the county to take some steps like dude you got to start cleaning this courthouse with a daily power wash uh because the sidewalks and this is the judge's quote reek of urine and excrement <laughs> <laughs> what a, how did it get to this? How did the country get to this, Dan? I don't understand it. Well, and, I'll tell you what. Normally, the, the social undesirables, you know, back in the day, we put them in loony bins. Yeah. You know, and then there was... Like Reagan the big, shut down the loony bins. Reagan shut them down. That's right. Know? I mean, there was, some, there was some nasty shit going on in them. This is a problem that we've always faced as, you know, as human societies. What do we do with people who don't fit in? That's right. What do you do with the people who aren't 
and and we and we, were, we were talking about this the other day with the automation. Yeah. What do you do with the people once the robot revolution takes over? And and, and, the, and the the politically correct answer is well we'll just retrain these people and as I told you I'm like a lot of people they a lot of people aren't cut out for college or they learning can't. of any kind now add drug use on top of that or mental problems of some kind mental what are you going to do with all these there's millions of them mental, what do you do mental problems numero uno and I've and it and it gets worse right now instead of having loony bins we have what's called the prison system that's right one of my uh, tenants he uh, spent a year. A year in the pen for uh, back-to-back, three back-to-back DUIs in a real dark part of his life. And he said that he's never run into so many people that could not hold a job. No. It's, not, it's not that they that they wouldn't or that they haven't, but that they cannot. They're no. like crack babies. They're, un- they're incapable. They are incapable. But, but we don't, but we exists. have, right, but we have a political system, which it, that's verboten to say that truth. That, that there are people who just can't... Listen to this fucking dope. In Seattle, for that story, This a council member actually said this. Are you ready for this? This is a good one. A count, council member Larry Gossett, big dummy, said he, don't, <laughs> he didn't like the idea of power washing the sidewalks because it brought back images of the use of hoses against civil rights activists, if you can believe it. So are you tracking on that? So washing, power washing the built-up feces off the sidewalk in front of the courthouse, uh, that conjures up bad memories of using hoses against black people in the Deep South. Completely the other side of the country. Uh, but wow. that's how that's what uh, co- uh, Council Member Larry Gossett said. Well, I guess if you don't have a mind for science as you go into politics. Oh, my God, dude. Uh, where do they fucking find these people? Um, and Around like, the courthouse. <laughs> it's un it's unreal dude um and what like related to just what we said mm-hmm. i was looking for articles on this and in the chicago tribune uh they found they did a study from ball state university and they um they found out that more than half of this is for the chicago area but mm-hmm. they said more than half of cook county jobs could be lost to automation alone that's in one county and this automation poses a far greater risk to American jobs than offshoring and has a disproportionately harsh impact on poor rural communities where there isn't a lot of white collar work. Um, you know, but think about this with like, damn, we, you're going to have robots in the fields. You're going to have robots in the warehouses. Uh, all those jobs that used to be kind of like the, I, I, I don't know if you want to call it the last stop for the people who couldn't do any other work, but that, that's going to be it. So where, what do you do with all these people? Uh, the risk of being replaced by automation is highest among people making less than thirty-eight thousand dollars a year. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do. You know, what are you going to do about it? And in the meantime, we've already got tons of, uh, and we've got tons of poor people who we bring into the country like every year. With, uh, so, um, well, tons of poor people. And you know, that that brings up something that I've always thought is that when you say poor people, you know, usually your mind first first goes to financial, like to being. To being poor financially, but the, but the thing with poor people is that they're not only poor financially; they're poor in mind, they're poor in education, they are poor in institutional knowledge. Right? They don't know how the game is played. Their parents didn't know how it was played. It was like me thinking I just applied to Duke and that was it. You know? Yeah. Now I'm an older man. I understand, and my children will understand because because I do. But the problem is when you get a string of generations, successive generations that are that are poor in mind. That's a, either, that's it. Yeah. Either they carry on low IQs, which I think is this is less likely than people carrying on uh, addictions to a substance or laziness or, you know, 
you're always a product of your environment and your genetics. And if your environment is to be around ignorant people who say, you know what, hey, I'm not, I'm not fit for college, and uh, you're probably not either, then that's probably the, the route you're going to go. Yeah, there's no expectation. There's, there's, there, there's, there's no expectation. And, and if you did try to break out of it, you know, we've seen it happen where people like make, you know, you're almost ridiculed. Yeah. You know, like, oh, who do you think you are? What are oh, you, yeah. some kind of big shot reading with your book reading, you know, and <laughs> shit like that. That shit happens it in, does in happen. poor neighborhoods. And yeah. that, that's no joke. And the really, really the only way to, uh, to mend that problem of people losing jobs has been the same way that we've always created uh, our economy, and that's through innovation. Today, you know, the STEMs are always, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, they're always pushed so hard. Uh, but creativity is required. And any time that you want to grow an economy or, or to create a new market, you need innovation because innovation is the only thing that can actually grow something. How do we get the the auto market? Well, somebody invented a fucking combustion engine. Yeah. You know, an amazing innovation that created a whole new marketplace. And so Americans were able to fill up places like Detroit. You know, Detroit brought in hundreds but, uh, of millions of dollars. But honestly, everywhere. I feel like I feel like we're kind of going backwards and almost in our general intelligence level. Um, I, I, here's an example. Like I read a lot of historical, uh, you know, books like nonfiction books. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this stuff is, uh, they, they excerpt letters that were written home, you know, mm-hmm. from like, like say like, uh, so you read a book about the civil war and they always, you know, quote some letter that some poor bastard sent home from the front. Mm-hmm. And what I'm struck by is how well written a lot of these letters are. And it's some dude who's like poor white trash, who's going to fight in the Union Army, and he's writing these very flowery, long letters. And this was like common. People did this. Like they wrote fucking letters all night, you know, and they could like actually write, but I'm struck by some language. And I'm like, find me a college kid who can write as well as this fucking Union soldier wrote home to his wife 150 years ago. You find me a college student who has the same attention span. Yeah. We've we've bred an amazingly short attention span. Oh, my attention span is destroyed. I can't sit through. Media. Can you sit through a movie? I can't even sit through a movie. Anymore. I can sit. I can certainly sit without through a looking movie. at your phone. Yes. See, you're you're. I'm getting better. I I throw my phone in the in the kitchen. I don't even want to look at it. But I'm trying to force myself because now my attention span is such shit. It's hard for me to sit through anything. I think you're right. I think an attention span can be cultivated. You know, it by, can by reading books, by not watching television. It's the mental average, discipline. You know. Anytime you're watching images on a television, they're they're flipping through them so quickly, so quickly that your mind become you're always adapting, and your mind becomes used to that, to that speed. How fast you're changing topics, and if you want to accomplish anything great, you need focus. You need to yes. get onto one thing, and you need to follow it all the way to fruition. How many people have have one great idea? They say, you know what, I've got an idea to make, blow in the dark bubble gum. Yep, and I think. Like you were saying, we're kind of falling back on it. We People don't stay focused on their goals. They get distracted. Well, they're staring into their screens. They're staring into their screens. Playing Amazon fucking Angry Birds up, or whatever. Uh, yeah. Or whatever they're, the they're dumb cru- game They're is crushing now. candy instead yeah. of figuring out what kind of glow-in-the-dark shit's safe right. through the FDA that they could actually put in their chewing gum. And that's what always made me laugh about the argument uh, kind of with that universal basic income. You know, that's been... We've, we've talked about that on the podcast before. And this is... If you're not familiar... Uh, this is basically where the government just hands out a check to everybody and there's no questions asked. And their theory is, well, not only do we need the people need this money due to the job loss from automation, but this will free. This is the part of the argument I love. 
this will free up the people to, you know, create great art and great novels. And I'm like, they're not going to, they're not going to do that. They're going to, they're going to sit and watch porn all day. (laughs) I mean, maybe one guy, but there's not going to be that many people. You know, people are going to be ordering Amazon and uh, looking at the virtual reality porn. That's my pessimistic view on it. Garbage in, garbage out. And and like you said, people aren't going to be striving to reach their goals. And I think a lot of that's because the things that, the messages that we receive is that the easy life is the good life. But you don't get any self-worth. You Bingo. can't, you don't, you don't, you haven't accomplished anything. It's it's wrong. People think, I want I want an easy job. Mother, no, you don't. Motherfucker, you may think that right now, but you give three months at that easy job and you're going to feel like shit about yourself. And even if it's like something like, dude, chopping wood all day. At the end of the day, you can look at that big ass pile of wood mm-hmm. and you're like, you're physically tired. You're like, God damn, I just chopped a lot of goddamn wood. I'm re-, And you feel a satisfaction. Yeah. So where is that satisfaction going to come once you don't have a job and you're, somebody's just handing you a check? Good luck. Um, how about this one? You're going to love that. I love my people. Um, lo- I love my brothers overseas in London. Okay. They are so, they're even worse. They make our political correctness look like nothing. <laughs> so the London underground staff, that's the London uh, the subway system. Uh, they have been mandated to stop using ladies and gentlemen when greeting people and instead use gender-neutral phrases, Dan. So, you know, because that's a big deal. Um, They are now told to use non-gendered phrases such as, good afternoon, everyone, in a bid to become more welcoming and inclusive. Um, (laughs) This is so, this is like, this is a great story because there's a lot of like good bureaucratic uh, gobbledygook. This one, uh, this one spokesman said, we have reviewed the language that we use in announcements and elsewhere, and we'll make sure that it is fully inclusive, rec- reflecting the great diversity of London. Oh, good Lord. And this um, came on the heels of the Green Party. They have a Green Party over there. They have a 19-year-old spokesman who was, uh, who was pissed off at the mayor for not doing this earlier. And this 19-year-old spokesman wrote, let me be clear. Trans and non-binary travelers deserve better than empty promises from Sadiq Khan and Transport for London. This is all over saying fucking ladies and gentlemen. Can you believe this shit? People just look for shit to get pissed off by, don't they? Uh, it, blows, it blows my mind. Like they have nothing better to do, you know? I think something like this is somebody choosing the wrong battle. I mean, there's a lot more worthy causes to get upset about and to want to take action on well you'd think so but again this comes down to a lot of people don't have anything to do anymore (laughs) you know (laughs) like i was saying shit man i just saw this last i just said this last week about out the old days look how much shit you had to do from the time you got up from the time you went to bed look how much crap you had to deal with like you were lucky to even have enough food you know and then if you did you'd have to go out and like you know work the fields all day or fight the indians all day or get on the covered wagon and make your way west, you had shit to do all day. Why would it make somebody who's transgender feel that bad when somebody says, uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, the only reason things bother you is if it's something that you're already upset with yourself about. I, I don't, maybe it's, uh, it could be like some kind of, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of baffled by it, but it could be some kind of, they're looking for validation. Bingo. You know, like a lot of these, uh, a lot of transgender people, I don't know if they imagine that they're going to look like sexy babes, especially when you're transitioning, when you were, when you were a 50 year old man, it's not going to look good. It's not, you're just not. 
Bruce Jenner, uh, sorry, sorry, Caitlin. Um, that's about as good. And he didn't. He waited till he was old, right? So that man's even, a legend, though. <laughs> that, that dude's a fucking legend. Are but, you kidding me? It doesn't look good close up, and I don't care how many look. airbrushed fucking no. photos Annie Leibovitz wants to take and put on the cover of Annie. It's the, it doesn't you, look good close up. It's obviously a man. You're gonna have to get a super drunk dude at the bar, it, which which happens, which happens, which I does mean, happen. It's a possibility. Don't go to Patio Beach and uh, close your eyes. Oh, it's, dude, I I don't even want. That's why I don't even want to go there. I don't want an accidental. You know, <laughs> they'll make a fool out of you. Oh no, they'll make a fool out of you. Well, and, and for our second transgender-related uh, story, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, the, the entire police department had to go uh, through sensitivity training. You know why? You're going to love this. Tell me, tell me. Uh, in January, police officer James Brinton pulled over a person named Shelby Kendall for reckless driving in a Camaro. Although Kendall's driver's license lists Kendall as female, the officer wrote... In the traffic citation, that, that Kendall was a male. When he asked Kendall why the driver's license said Kendall was female, Kendall insisted it was because he was a female. Um, I'm just going to show you a picture of the of of the person that is outraged that the officer didn't write down that they were a female. That's a what bro. Is, that looks like an old man. That looks like an old bro child. Which is what he is 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 a, is an old man. He was um, born with a wiener. I'm looking for the age of this. Oh, um, and then scandalously, Officer Britton said, uh, well, the, for the purposes of this citation, you're a male. And uh, so because of that, the entire uh, police department now has to undergo sensitivity training for this officer's rude. <laughs> it's fucking rude. What a massive waste of time. Oh, man. It's... Uh, what a, you remember being in the service and they'd have you... Uh, they'd have... They'd have you, they'd drag you from whatever you were doing to go take those NKO courses. That's well, right. for us, there were NKO, uh, Navy Knowledge Online. It was basically an online module you had to complete. Yeah, we called it CBT, computer based training. And uh, I, I always used to joke about it. I'm like, hey, we, hey, hey, all you pipe hitters getting yep. ready to fucking, hey, yep. guys, we can't go do Halo training today and we can't yep. go do CQB training today because we all have to get on the computer and go through the law of armed conflict training or the transgender. The transgender aware. training. I remember they used to have us do like Sexual, sexual assault training all the time. Oh, God. And, and I would say, you know what? First off, I don't need somebody to tell me not to rape someone. I already know that's wrong. And if if I was a rapist, filling out an online module is just not going to change my mind about it, it's things. Like, you're going to be like, wow, wait a minute. I you shouldn't get it. I shouldn't get it. I'm going to change my I should, ways. I shouldn't have sex with a chick who's unconscious. Oh, man, I never knew that before. Yeah, yeah I'm glad I know now. Oh, dude. What enlightenment. Um, now, are you, uh, Dan, are you a fan of, uh, you know, the mixed martial arts, boxing, any of that stuff? You, you, you get into any of that? Uh, I like Moy Baran. I think it's uh, probably the most applicable battlefield combat method. Well, as you know, and this is a giant, this is obviously a giant publicity stunt, but you've heard of the Con Conor McGregor is going to fight Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> you've heard this. So these guys have been on this like little publicity tour. Yeah, have, you yeah. have you seen any of the clips I, from this? I don't follow it. So they've been on a publicity, and I know the whole thing's a scam. Like they, I saw a story today where they basically took a private jet in together, but then they get to these publicity events and they act like, oh, no, I hate you. No, fuck you. I hate right. you. But uh, So I know it's a scam. But that being said, I'm kind of enjoying it, especially since Conor McGregor is pretty good at shit talking. So I'm going to play you this clip 
Uh, if you haven't heard it, here's Conor McGregor, and he's bitching, and he's uh, talking smack about Floyd Mayweather. Let's listen to this. What the fuck is he wearing? He looks like a little breakdancer or something, a little 12-year-old breakdancer, bitch. What the fuck? He's 40. You're 40 years of age. Dress your fucking age. Carrying a school bag on stage. What are you doing with a school bag on stage? You can't even read. Damn. <laughs> Said you fucking can't even read. Uh, that was Conor McGregor uh, yelling at him. And then apparently... Um, now Floyd Mayweather tried is not as good at this. He's nowhere near as good, but he's he's trying to keep up with it, right? So apparently, I haven't even listened to this clip yet, but uh, he dropped a little homophobic slur, Dan. So uh, let me. I haven't heard this yet. Let's let's hear let's hear how this sounded. If I tell me what the UFC bought you, shut the fuck up. They ain't bought you shit, bitch. Yeah. We gonna talk about this pussy. You punk, you faggot, you hoe. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Called him a faggot, dude. So now everybody's like outraged. <laughs> yep, they're gonna, they're gonna be up at arms now. Do you know how much fucking money those guys are making for that fight? Each? I have no idea. Hundred million dollars. That's a ton each. of money. I it's mean, a ton of money. Yeah. And so I'm not, it's like, I know the whole thing is it makes a sham of martial arts, but at the same time, I, I can't really hate on it because it's like, these guys are, they're playing the game, dude. You know, they're playing the game and they're playing it well. They're playing it so well, they're going to make a hundred million dollars. Oh, born, I don't, I don't expect to make a hundred million dollars. I don't know in what the my fuck life. I would do with it. More money, more problems. I don't need that many problems. Yeah. Well, Floyd Mayweather, apparently, uh, he does have a few mo problems because that dude's like, and now the IRS is uh, saying, hey, by the way, shit, we forgot about you, but you owe us, uh, you owe us some money, pal. You know what? Now I think about it, I'm going to say something about, about that, about Please. that little faggot comment. Yeah. You know, if we can draw a distinction here between a guy going on a shit-talking rampage and using the word word faggot in 2017, screaming it, you know, with millions of people watching, (laughs) versus, you know, over in England where they're saying ladies and gentlemen. First off, if you're transgender and somebody's saying, like, ladies and gentlemen, that's a big deal. They're just trying to cover everybody and be polite. Now, if a guy's yelling faggot, I can understand how people would get upset about that. Right. You know, we got a pretty strong gay community here, and frankly, I don't care. I'm, I'm just kind of apathetic about the whole thing. I it, am too. It, it doesn't bother it me. It doesn't bother me. Like, it's like not I my make, cause. I, I make, just, like, I, I, I rag on gay guys here and there a little bit, but doesn't, I don't have any malice towards it. It's just not my tribe, you yeah, know? Right. Like, I'm, it's so completely foreign to where I'm from. You know, like, like a. If I see you getting beat up in alley, I'm going to help you. Absolutely. But. But I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go sit on the float with the greased up dudes and right. the bikinis on Pride Week this, tomorrow. This either, weekend, this weekend. I won't be a sparkle pony with you. I, I will not. It's just not gonna happen. <laughs> it's Glitter gonna is too hard to get out of the few <laughs> Dude, hairs I have. I overhear people talking about Pride like all like week, and it's like yeah. I hear dudes like, and they're like straight dudes. And they're like, "Oh, you going to Pride? Oh yeah, totally, bro." And I'm like, hmm. it's, "It's weird." That it's, I'm not gonna it's say it's. Thing. I'm not gonna say it's completely weird, but I think it's kind of strange when straight guys are like really into. Because I, I know a dude like this. He's straight, but he's like really into gay rights. And I'm like, mm, okay, I guess. If it's just if if it's just people rights, and I think that's where this where this faggot thing kind of crosses a line is. You know, I've talked to some of these guys, and they said, "Hey, man, let me let me tell you something. Every gay dude has at one point in his life had his ass beat 
while somebody was calling him a faggot. Yeah, so maybe. that word's pretty emotionally charged well, for like the whole community. Sure, but in fairness, a lot of straight guys have had their ass beat while getting called. Call yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, freshman year, you bet I got called a faggot while I got my ass beat. That happened. It well, it does. It does happen. So it's what happens. Uh, what else do we have? Um, oh, I wanted to. I wanted to talk about this because uh, a guy who follows me on um, on Twitter is actually a New York State trooper, and we had an incident. And I just wanted to do a brief shout out about this um, because a state trooper was uh, killed last week in in New York. This is along County Road Forty Six, and Trooper Jack Keller uh, said that. A man named Justin Walters, 30 years old, um, allegedly shot and killed his wife in the driveway. Now, then state police trooper Joel Davis, who is only 36, year old, 36 oh. years old, responded to the scene. And uh, apparently this guy, according to my source, the uh, guy the, who was the criminal was armed with an AR-style rifle. And Trooper Davis was shot one time. He was, like, trying to get around the side, I guess, but the dude knew he was coming. And uh, he was shot, and he tried to make it back to his car. He was shot one time. And this guy who shot him was an active-duty soldier at Fort Drum, by the way. And uh, Trooper Davis was survived by his wife and three children. So uh, I just wanted to give a shout-out to that because, I, like I said, I know, uh, I know a lot of people are you know, pretty, pretty sad about that up there. And, and, we're, uh, and we're certainly with you, uh, you know, big police supporters here. Yeah, that's no doubt. And you- it's sad. You don't know what you're getting into as a cop. This is like why I have a lot of, I don't, I have a lot of, I back the police a lot, especially if it's a questionable shooting sometimes, because I'm like, dude, they don't know what they're rolling up on ever. Yep. You never know what you're going to get. And then all of a sudden mark. a gun comes out, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, here's right up your, uh, right up your alley, Dan. I'm glad to have you this. Did you now Nevada just started legalized marijuana. I've heard about this. Excellent. Well, they, they're running out. <laughs> like two weeks after they said we're legalizing it, they apparently underestimated the demand, which I can't believe. I'm like, it's fucking Vegas, dude. What did you think was going to happen? So the demand was so high that they're running out of weed. And the Nevada, the state of Nevada approved an emergency regulation to, um, to solve this crisis by expanding who is allowed to transport the drug from cultivation facilities to retail dispensaries. I guess they had a Excellent. whole licensing thing. Excellent. Uh, but yeah, this was the Nevada Tax Commission because they said, uh, "Dude, this, um, this, this is great, but we're running out of weed like right away." They're running out of weed and they're running out of earning potential. Yeah. Now, and when now when Nevada did this, this is interesting. When Nevada passed this referendum, uh, the people that were allowed to sell it were all the liquor liquor wholesalers. That was part of the bill. It's like that, so I'm sure they fucking lobbied the hell out of that. But yeah, you bet they did. Yeah, the the uh, the first. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading the referendum right now. So for the first 18 months of sales, only liquor wholesalers would be allowed to apply to distribute marijuana. Uh, and this was because the alcohol industry was worried about this pot thing, and they're like, "Hey, here's some fat, you know, campaign checks or whatever." And that's how it passed. It's not a so hard, they get it's first not a hard bargain to sell either. I mean, no. you know, those guys are already vetted. If if one of those wholesalers is selling booze, you know, to somebody who doesn't belong oh, to, to have booze, then they get their license taken away. So but they've this, been vetted to a degree. But this is interesting, though. Listen to this. <laughs> I, that's, what, that's what was supposed to happen. What actually happened was not too many alcohol distributors even applied to sell. So 
none have been approved. So when sales began, and this began July 1st, two weeks ago, retail shops uh, who had already been selling medical marijuana, Uh those were the only people who had any marijuana. So, of course, when midnight fucking hit, and I saw the news stories where there's people like lined up around the block to get Uh free weed, they had to rely, these medical shops had to rely on their existing stockpile, and uh, they started fucking running out like almost immediately. Yeah. I'm wondering why these liquor wholesalers didn't were like, dude, I would have fucking jumped all over that. There's not a lot of... There's not a lot of ganja being grown in the state of Nevada. You know, the huge percentage of weed is grown up in Northern California, and transporting weed across state lines is a felony. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I'm not going to say it doesn't happen. I'm not going to say that, you know, pallets of of green don't go across the border every day. I'm just going to say that, you know, the guys who get caught few and far between are, are getting locked up for a long time. And that, you know, they could have turned to Colorado to look for some experience. Yep. And, and here's the story. Listen to this headline. Monthly marijuana sales in Colorado of $100 million are the new norm. Selling $100 million. May sales hit $127.7 million, marking the 12th consecutive month the state's cannabis sales have topped $100 million. Colorado made... Like Woo. the best state decision ever. Have you seen the property values in the Denver area? No. It's incredible. Oh, I can property imagine. Property values have doubled, tripled in some areas of the city. That's amazing. All that new revenue is coming in. Where do you think that revenue is going? That's going to the fire departments. It's going to the public school systems. It's going to the roadways. I hope. Or it could be just going to like you know the Department of Redundancy Department. You know who knows with fucking state government. But yes, I would like to believe that it's going to uh, a good a percentage of it is going to a good cause. I would like to believe that. We'll see. Um, this one also snuck under the radar, Dan. Two former Capitol Hill staffers were indicted this week in connection with the alleged sharing of private nude images and videos swiped from a congresswoman's cell phone. How does that not bigger news? Like, I had to dig through to find this one. What is it, like the good old boys club over there? I mean, they get totally different health care than us. They get I know to, it they is. They get insider it trading, is. And, 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 and they and get to swap Yeah, because picks. nobody in the media, everybody in the media just wants to talk about Trump. You know, that's all they want to talk about. But I didn't even actually, I'm going to plead ignorance to this because I didn't even know this was a thing. This congresswoman is Virgin Islands delegate Stacey Plaskett. I didn't know we had, I didn't even know that was a thing. Wow. But apparently, yeah. Well, I guess it, I mean, it's a U.S. territory. Is that like, but do they get to vote? I don't know if maybe it's like a Puerto Rico thing, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're a free state. You are, but you're not. One of us? Well, t- I don't know. It's very Are there confusing. Puerto Rican delegates in Congress? I don't know. Well, there's apparently, a, until yesterday, if you would have asked me if there's a Virgin Island delegate, I would have said no. But yes, there is, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, her office. So, uh, oh, here's what happened. So in March 2016, this, uh, this delegate, uh, Stacey Plaskett, she entrusted her iPhone and its password to staffer Juan McCollum who, the indictment alleges, copied the nude images and videos after offering to take the phone to an Apple store for repairs. Wow, what a little scammer. Um, wow. And, yeah. <laughs> and he just kept it in a spank bank for it, all those years? At least 10. Okay, so uh, McCollum, who had left Plaskett's office, allegedly created a Hotmail account and sent at least 11 email messages to multiple persons, including politicians, at least 10 of these emails contained one or more of the nude images and videos. So he fucking got this shit and started uh, emailing all over. He he left 
or he was escorted out of the building? Um, because I, I, I want to guess he got not, fired. And yeah, one wasn't too uh, well. He was indicted. Police about it. Maybe I, I don't know, but he was uh, he was indicted by a grand jury on two counts of cyber stalking. And another Plaskett staffer got rolled up in this, indicted on two counts of obstruction of justice because apparently uh, uh, that person lied to investigators. But these are all these are all Democrats and, and good. Liber- I'm sure they're good allies to the females. You know what I mean. And in the meantime, you know when you're not looking, they're uh, they're going through your phone and stealing all your naked pictures. Good so thanks, grief. thanks for that. Uh, nice nice people over there. <laughs> uh, Real straight shooters. Oh yeah, too totally. Um, how about this one? This is oh dude I can't even get into that one right now. It's too bad. Oh uh, how you uh you ever drink margaritas? How about this one? I had to put that behind me, my man. Oh that's right. You're yeah. uh you're on the you're on the wagon now. I'm bone dry. Well, if you did want to have um like say a pitcher of margaritas, then don't go to Alabama because apparently the Alabama Alcoholic Beverage Control Board have banned pitchers of margaritas. This is what they do all day. It's too dangerous. <laughs> is it? Is that what it is? It's too dangerous. Oh my God. This is what this, why this is none of your business. You know, this is like blows my fucking mind, dude. That's exactly what it is. None of your fucking business. Go do. I mean, Alabama is not like at the top of the charts where they've got all the time in the world to think about what serving size their hillbillies should have in their margarita mix. Yeah, I mean, be- the guy's drinking it. He's he's in the lagoon with like snakes and possums and stuff. <laughs> like, who cares what he's doing? There's nobody around for like three miles. Yeah, uh, this is basically they're saying, well, people don't have uh, people don't have the self control. That's why we can't have pictures of margaritas. Uh, they don't have the self control, and they'll just end up drinking way more way more booze. But again, that's not your business how much booze I drink, okay? And there I know what their argument is going to be. It's going to be like, well, they, yeah, but then you could get and drive and hurt somebody and then it is our business. It's like, well, you're presupposing a lot of things. I could take an Uber too. You don't know what I'm going to fucking do. That's right. But that's going to be their defense. Is it's all it always is. Well, this is a safety issue. That's always the fallback for the big government overreach program, you know. It's got to be like a big old safety issue scandal. Uh, you want to talk about some existential shit? You ready for this one? Have you seen this famous picture of an ape? It's a selfie of a monkey. It's quite famous. I, I think this came out uh, a couple of years ago. Well, uh, this was a monkey, not an ape. I'm sorry. If you guys, you guys know, it's a very, it's like a, it looks like a monkey is like smiling. Okay. And it's called a macaque monkey. Well, this is going through court right now because they're asking. Because this monkey took the picture itself, they're asking, well, PETA is suing the guy who took the picture, saying, well, this picture actually belongs to this monkey, not you. This is the reason that I can have zero respect for organizations like PETA or any gun control organization. is because they don't use fucking common sense. Just because a monkey took a picture of itself doesn't make it any less of a monkey. Yeah. It doesn't make... When people are like, oh, we have mass shootings. It's because people have assault weapons. I would say it's, the reason we have mass shootings is not because the guy had an assault weapon. It's because nobody else around him had a gun. That's definitely an argument. There's, you, you can't close your eyes to anything else. And sometimes you have to pull your head out of your ass. Well, he, this, this monkey, uh, basically, the, is, is, there's a bunch of, I'm sorry, I'm just scrolling through this, but uh, this guy, the guy, the guy who owned the camera is named, he's a British guy named David Slater, right? And he basically set these cameras out and the, the monkey ended up 
snapping like a picture of himself. You know? Fantastic. So People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals sued Slater and the San Francisco-based self-publishing company Blurb, which published a book called Wildlife Personalities that included these selfies, for copyright infringement. And it sought a court order allowing it to administer all proceeds from the photos taken in a wildlife reserve, uh, taken in a wildlife reserve in Indonesia to benefit the monkey. And PETA attorney David Schwartz argued that Naruto, that's the name of the monkey, he was accustomed to cameras and he took the selfies when he saw himself in a reflection of the lens. Uh, dude, see, a federal judge has already ruled against PETA, but it's like these people have limitless money. It fucking blows me away. They're, all these activist groups seem to have limitless time to file lawsuits, to get it up in your mix. Where do they get the money? PETA's like... That's what, well, they get a lot of donations. I know that. But from who? I, I, people who think Seattle? That, uh, yeah, from Yes, all, all of the... Yes. Portland, Dude, Seattle. Like, like, we don't have our libtards here. You know that. There's plenty in San Diego. I think San Diego is pretty much a, a really conservative city, actually, from it, all compared, of the Navy veterans. Compared to the rest of it, it is because it's quite... You know, we have yeah. a huge military presence. Yeah. Uh, but it was funny because the judges are asking PETA, why do you have status to represent this animal? You know, like, you don't... This animal didn't come out and hire you. This animal didn't call you up and say, have hey... Have been retained? Yeah, exactly. And uh, PETA tried to say, like, well, we just care for this animal. Well, the judge is saying that that's not enough to establish. So, um, so far... They have not. And, and the poor bastard who's, you know, he's a photographer. This is his livelihood. He's like, basically, this yeah. is bankrupting me, trying to defend myself from all this shit. You know, it's not cheap to, he's got to keep going into court and fucking doing all that crap, you know? God, those guys are such jokes. PETA is just, they just make fools out of themselves and they waste everybody's money who's like, you know what? I like animals and I think that they should be treated well. Oh, let me give money to these guys, and then they just go and they throw it all the all down the fucking drain, and they, people get mad about the government squandering their money. They must be getting a ton of money, though. They've um, got to be. You know, uh, one good thing that you know, amidst all the Trump drama that happens, you know, there are some good stuff happening. You know, the crackdown on illegal immigration, which we talk about quite a bit. Another one is the VA. You know, this is very quietly. But Secretary Huge. Secretary of Veterans Affairs David Shulkin, he's been off to a pretty quick start. Um, he, uh, by the way, before he became Secretary of the VA, he served as Undersecretary for Obama. So he kind of okay. he he kind of knows the deal. And um, which there's a lot to be said for that because most of the most of the Trump administration is like first timers, right? Know? Absolutely. So it's good to have a. Veteran it's good there. to have you know as much as we make. Yeah, I get the whole drain the swamp thing, but at yeah. the same time, you need people in there who know who the understand. system. Understand exactly. You can't get anything done without it. Well, in David Shulkin's first five months on the job, uh -huh. um, the department announced last week that between President Trump's inauguration and this last July third, it has already fired 526 employees. Wow. demoted another 27, wow. and temporarily suspended another 194 for longer than two weeks. Wow. Uh, it launched a new website that lets veterans compare the wait times at its facilities. That's pretty cool. That's excellent. It's like the DMV. Um, yeah, and also, I should have mentioned, um, on those firings, you can actually look up and see exactly what each guy was fired for because they also have a website about that. Thank God. Which is very interesting. Um can you imagine how many veterans, you know, just got blown off by the same motherfucking yep. Filipino guy for five <laughs> years trying to get their claim through, and then they're like, oh, oh, I got mine. And another one, you know, 
you've heard you've probably heard a few stories about that veterans crisis line the suicide prevention yeah. and basically yeah. it was like going to voicemail and shit no way. yeah yeah there was all kinds of scandals about that well they say that now they're answering 90 percent of calls within eight seconds and only about one percent of calls are being re- rerouted to a backup call center oh here it is a year ago an inspector general report noted that more than one third of all calls to that hotline were being shunted to backup call centers. Some calls were taking more than a half an hour to be answered. So the guy's like fucking sitting there with like a gun in his lap. Yep. He fucking doesn't want to go. And he's trying to he's trying to hide the VA and all he's getting is a fucking voicemail. Can you imagine? Fucking poor bit. I wonder how many guys killed themselves like that. Fuck off. Um, now, you, Dan, is much, you can talk as much or as little about this as you want, but I know people are always looking for experience with the VA. You've had some experience with the VA. What's your overall impression of the VA? I, I would tell people of my own, um, it, it's I've had good uh, experience with the VA as long as you're not in a hurry. That's kind of been my personal experience with it. How about you? What, what's, what's kind of been your, uh, your experience? I would compare the VA to a beautiful garden just behind a short wall you've got to do a little bit of work that's just all there is to it you know yes nobody uh, uh, nobody comes to find you to give you money right you have to go find them you go you go lay down a bill that guy comes to find you to get his money right you know the military got all that they could out of you while you were serving and right. now it is your job and i'll repeat that it is your job to get everything you can out of the resources available to you. And I've dude, I've said that so many times whether it's been GI bill or VA, a lot of this is you've got to do the paperwork. You and know? it's not that it's much. It's not. And I'm actually and frankly, you know what? I'm kind of glad it is there because actually it weeds out a lot of people who really don't need help that much. A lot of people are I agree. just like, you know what, fuck it. I agree. But if you do, it's there, but you yep. got to show up. You got to write the paperwork. Turn that mic like this so it's like facing like, yeah, awesome. there you go. Perfect. Beautiful. It's still fine. It's all fine. Uh, so, but yeah, you got to show up. You got to, you got to fill out the paperwork. And, you know, I've, I filled out the paperwork. I've, you know, you called, if you call them, you can get some help if you can get through. If you just go into your office, you say, hey, uh, at the front desk, I want to do this today. You go, you talk to these guys. Most of the time, they're going to tell you, hey, you know what? You probably qualify for this, too. If you do, maybe one more form. Take a picture of one more thing. Put this in. Maybe go home and log onto a website. It's going to take you two, three minutes when you get home. The VA really takes care of you. It does, um, but again, it can take a while. Like I it don't can know, take time. I don't know how long. I remember when I time. so when I was when I left. I think my from the time. So you do the initial form. You yeah. type in your information, and then the deal. Here's how it kind of works. You fill out the paperwork, and then you wait mm-hmm. for your first appointment. Now yeah. that wait period for me was almost a year. Wow. It did take a while. But once I got the appointment and I went in for an evaluation and all that so they could determine your uh, you know, level, benefit level, or if, yeah. if any, yeah. after that, it all happened pretty quick. But that initial one for me was long, which was fine, though, because I'm not in a hurry. You know, I was contracting at the time. I'm going out of yeah. the country anyway. I'm, they're like, yeah, we'll see you, uh, you know, August or whatever year. And I was like, okay, cool. But it didn't take you that long, or you know, I didn't do anything when I first got out. You know, I was I was making my money, and uh, I was making my own money, and I was doing all right. And I said, you know, I'm not going to take anything if I don't need it. Right. And that was that was my line in the sand. And uh, after about you know after like a year of being out, I say, you know, I'm I'm getting to that point. I'm I'm going to go back to school full time. I need that money now. Right. 
And so I started, I started getting the wheels turning then. I had, I had like 10% for tinnitus, and I missed an appointment. Right. The, the biggest oh, mistake you yeah. can make in the VA. Yes. If you miss an appointment, they will cut you off. Yes. The same way your dad will cut you off if you get pregnant in college. Yep. Like, that's it. No more, homie. So I, I had like 130 bucks, and I was doing odd jobs, getting construction and stuff, going through school as, as I did that waiting period, as I started it all over again. And put in my paperwork, and I had to go online, and you know, other veterans really were my were my best resource ever. Yeah, they really to, are to uh, to figure out how to navigate that system. And uh, actually, just yesterday, I, I called you about. It. I think I told you about it. I, I finally uh, got my my rating pushed all the way up to hundred percent. What if if you don't mind sharing, like what did they? What is that based off of? Like. Um, so there's a couple of ways to get 100% disability, and uh, one of them is to have something that's like super life-ending. Let's say I lose both my arms in an explosion. I'm going to be 100% because I can't work. Right. But mine's not. Mine's cumulative. You're right. Mine's cumulative from just a whole bunch of things broke. Right. Uh, pretty much everything has damage. You know, uh, level three separations, both shoulders, both knees, don't have menisci anymore. Right. Um, plantar fasciitis, broken calcaneus, uh, oh, five compressed discs in my lumbar, two compressed in my cervical spine. Um, I had a nice thunk on my nugget on my uh, on my first deployment, falling out of a helicopter. You know that TBI ended up with migraines and. Dude, that's what blows me away when I when you know with our modern with our modern uh, debate about whether you know females in, in combat <laughs> roles and stuff like that. I'm like, I know big strong dudes who like after 20 years of special operations destroyed. are like old, they're destroyed. I'm like, what's some, what's some female going to look like, you know? And it doesn't even matter if you're careful. You know, you can minimize the risk while you're in, but sometimes, you know, it's speed versus security. And if you're going to be super secure because you have a smaller bone structure, well, my friend, you're going to be slow. And if you're slow, sometimes slow gets you killed. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how this ends up. I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of early medical retirements from uh, if, if this does go through. You know, I, have, I do have some, uh, some females who listen to this podcast who are interested mm -hmm. in military special operations. I mean, I've made my point of view pretty clear. I'm, yeah. I'm not really into it. But that's, that vote has been cast. I don't know yeah. if you have any thoughts on that as far as like, you know, imagine, imagine females and buds. What would that be like to you? They would break. You think so? Well, we had we had the women's Olympic swim team come out, and they did a day of buds. Michael Phelps and the ladies swim oh, team no came shit. out, and uh, two of them broke their necks. We had what a, a broken how egg. boats on heads. No kidding. Oh yeah, and they were just carrying them, and well, you're, you're walking with a boat on your head, and there's just physiological differences between men <laughs> so and women. They <laughs> I mean, we've known this before. Oh man, but uh, these athletes. I'm not going to say that these are like, you know, like the that one chick who plays rugby. She's got something to prove. I don't know what it is, but she does. Yeah. Or maybe she identifies as a man. That might be their way. <laughs> there, there's other ways to get to butts. Who, you know? who know? Yeah, there are. Who knows what in, in our brave new world? Uh, but it's true. You know, I, I tell like it's like when they say like, oh, a woman uh, will play in the NFL. I'm like, dude, your bones are made of freaking glass, dude. One shot from like. Uh, an NFL line hell can you high school imagine? linebacker can a high you, school D1 linebacker hitting a woman full speed you might explode like literally combust <laughs> um, dude the, here's you know what as long as we're on the military topic here's another here's another story that kind of went under the radar did you hear about this soldier in Hawaii that was arrested what did he do 
Active duty soldier was arrested in Hawaii for allegedly trying to provide material support and training to the Islamic State. Oh, come on. He told an undercover federal agent, it's always the under, they're always on the, uh-huh. if you're talking to a guy that you think is in the Islamic State, here's your pro tip for the day. <laughs> It's probably an FBI agent. I'm just going to... Uh, 99 uh-huh. out of 100 times. It's like the pedophile thing. I always tell people to get busted <laughs> online. Like, dude, there is no 12-year-old girl who's telling your 40-year-old out-of-shape ass, like, oh, yeah, baby, I want you. That, yeah. that, that's, that is assuredly some kind of law enforcement. Yeah, show up here at 9.30 before <laughs> I have to go to bed with some Smirnoff and condoms. Some co- yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, this guy, his name is... Um, uh, I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing this. Ikeka Eric Kang, 34 years old, arrested at his apartment Saturday shortly after pledging his loyalty to ISIS and telling an undercover federal agent that he, quote, wanted to kill a bunch of people, end quote. Um, And the Honolulu special, uh, Honolulu FBI office said a probable cause arrest was made in the interest of public safety. We believe that Kang was a lone actor and not associated with others who present a threat to Hawaii. This investigation came, this, his arrest came after an investigation that lasted for more than a year. Wow. Um, he attempted to provide material support to ISIS by providing both classified military documents and other sensitive but unclassified military documents to persons he believed would pass the documents to ISIS. Um, man, do you what, know... What is, do they have a picture of this guy? They don't. I'm looking. Um... I don't have it in front of me, but he apparently served. He was a he served at the Showfield Barracks. He was part of an infantry division there, so he was a he was a soldier. And uh, I guess you know this is this is something that I don't think gets near enough attention. We are so lucky that we have good law enforcement because this is like a full time job. People don't realize the FBI is terrified. They have to be terrified of of losing one of these guys. I've read there's thousands of open investigations from the FBI just on guys on the internet. And you don't know. You don't know what to take seriously because you might blow off a guy like they did, like Omar Mateen, the Orlando shooter. They blew him off. They're like, yeah, Yeah. he's fine. People even complained about that dude. And the FBI is like, hey, we got nothing. So you don't know what they're going to do until they do it. And um, if it wasn't for them, I mean, can you imagine how many of these fucking invest, how much much violence we'd have if it wasn't for our great FBI guys? It's unreal. That's an incredible amount of manpower, yeah. That's huge, huge and, expenditure of effort. And and forget about the nation. Just in the military, in 2012, NPR reported that as many as 100 Islamic extremists were under investigation in the U.S. military. I never heard that story. Never. Holy fuck, dude. Um, apparently, you know, and of course, uh, Nadal Hassan, the Fort Hood shooter, you know, he was one of those guys, those wacky, the, the wacky psychiatrist. Yeah. He's deep in the hole now. But um, what, what hole did they put him in? Uh, he was in some. Oh, which one was Is he, he in? That? Leavenworth. No, uh, I don't. I think he was in. I think they put him in the Supermax, like oh. that. Uh, it's like some federal prison. I think. Yeah, I don't yeah. think. I don't think he's in a military prison. I could be wrong about that. I'm not sure. Uh, let me ask you this, Dan. Yeah. Switching topics. If you, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe this is a little bit morbid of me, but I always kind of like think about like if if I had to go out in a blaze of glory. Like if I had to like if I was gonna off myself, how would I do it? Did you ever think about that, or am I just weird? My blaze of glory, like yeah. If, do you have if like I a, knew I was gonna if die? You knew you're gonna die. You know, what, you're, what do I think needs to be destroyed? Right. Okay. So that's your that's what your brain is automatically going to. You want to yeah. take something with you. 
Well, yeah, if I'm okay. a blaze of glory, I mean. <laughs> well, how about this one? This guy, some 38-year-old dude, he killed himself by jumping 250 feet into a Hawaiian volcano. Fantastic. It's pretty badass, dude. That's, I mean, yeah, There's you, you can't say anything about that. Leo Adonis. Wow. Not his real name, apparently. Well, should be. Uh, you know, that's sidebar. I'm always suspicious of people who change their names. To like Leonidas. His name, Leo Adonis. Okay, Leo's first name, Adonis last name. Uh-huh. He reportedly, uh, he was born Gregory Michael Ure. Well, Gregory is kind of a shitty name. He, yeah, he he was found like in Marty a Gregory. He was found in a crater. Well, he looks like the his his Does face look like looks just like your voice. Oh my yeah, gosh, that's a looks, Greg. Looks like a kind of a person. Looks like kind of a pencil neck uh, geek a little bit. But good for him. He was found in a crater on the volcano in Hawaii National Park, and um, this dude left a suicide note in his backpack. And he put the backpack on the trail, and uh, he decided to just uh, take a take a big old leap of faith right in the volcano. I'd like to see the suicide note just to check it for grammatical errors. Probably, I would too. I would too. Um, hey, as long as we're bitching about judges, which I do pretty much every week because I complain about you know judges all the time. Uh, the Texas Supreme Court has suspended a Houston judge amid allegations she sexted while on the bench and used illegal drugs. You want to see her picture? There you go. She's not uh, not terrible looking. No, I mean, if she was sexting me, I would not be upset. <laughs> judge Judge Hillary H. Green. What if she was like the sub? Like she she was like some weird S and M stuff, and she was like she wanted to be conquered. Maybe she's like all day I'm in charge. She acknowledged she, she acknowledged <laughs> illegally obtaining prescription drugs and used marijuana. Good for her. And uh, she also engaged in sexually explicit and drug related texts with one of the bailiffs. <laughs> Guys who's standing there. This is the first time any Texas judge has received a temporary suspension in at least a decade in a contested manner. Oh, man. Wow. That's good stuff. Uh, of course, come on. Really, Star Telegram? You're not going to put the sex in there? Because I, I love I love stories where they, like, you know, they like the, like the Anthony Weiner stuff. I love Anthony Weiner because they detailed every text that he did, you know, and I was able to read those aloud. Sadly, <laughs> they don't have the actual sex in the story. But, uh, yeah, she did uh, engage in sexually explicit communication with her bailiff between October 2013 and March of 2014. So, you know, they were banging. Big, I don't see a big problem with that. I, don't, I think it was. I think it was more the illegal drugs, probably. Yeah, the drugs probably got people upset. But you know, if she was like supposed to be hearing a case and she's, you know, she's got it behind her desk and you know pumping away and saying some nasty shit. Oh no, that's, that's kind of cool. <laughs> you think that's kind of cool? <laughs> you know, if she's well, back there like like shooting up or like well, uh, clear, smelling clearly, stuff off the paper. Clearly, they were having sex. Good you know. for them. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. You know. Good for him. You know what? Maybe good for them. We can't really say genders. You can't. On the air. You can't. Good uh, for them. She's not, uh, she's definitely for a judge. She's especially, you know, I always think of a judge, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, some like old crone. But uh, this one's not bad looking. So uh, good for her. Uh, let's see. How much time we got down? We're doing all right? Uh, what have we been going about an hour and so? But now. Uh, about an hour and uh, oh, we're getting in on that. We're, we're how about, thirty. All right. Well, we should we should start wrapping it up. Uh, a few more few more quick hits, and we'll call the day. Um, you know, let me see what else do I have here. Oh God. Well, I want to wait for those, and I want to wait for that one. How about this one? 
a school this is oh man this is a sad story a schoolboy died after suffering a severe allergic reaction to cheese which was allegedly flicked into his mouth at school what a so pussy. you know like school <laughs> you can't he's not a pussy he's got a medical illness you heartless fuck oh my gosh karen beer chima 13 years old he was a pupil at school in london and apparently some kid was you know kids are kids you know they fuck around yeah and some kid was flicking cheese at him, and it went into his mouth, and he fucking died. You believe I'm, that shit? How I, are you? Oh, That's like natural selection, dude. I'm, I'm imagining that red-haired, glasses, Jewish kid. Like, I can't have my cheese with my lunch because <laughs> it'll kill me. This sounds. This, he sounds more like a. Uh, he sounds like a immigrant uh, family, you know, something like that. But maybe, maybe, maybe that's because they're maybe they're not around cheese too much. Can you, you imagine know? that kid growing up in Wisconsin? No, life I can't. would be hell. Dude, that's fucking terrible. Uh, and so we'll just go right to the big finish. How about that? I've got a, uh, you know, one of my, if you listen to this podcast, I'll tell you, Dan, you probably haven't heard too many episodes, but probably my top five favorite subjects I like to do. I like racial hoaxes, you know, where somebody says, you know, yeah, they, were, they strung up a noose and the guy was full of heated at himself. I love those stories. I like the illegal immigration. I'm interested in illegal immigration. Um, and uh, I like the uh, I like the sex robot stories. Okay, because I think this is the end of the human race, kind of. Um, an expert is warning that the growing sophistication of these sex robots is leading to moral and legal dilemmas. And one of them, like, because, for example, one sex robot advocate actually said, this is a way we can cure pedophilia. Now, listen, so in other words, we'll take care of our pedophiles by giving them a, sex, robots. Ro- a sex robot child. And and in, and in response, now other people are saying, "Well, you should you shouldn't that should be illegal." What do you think? Should you, should it be legal to have a ten year old sex robot if you knew that it was going to keep the pedophile from going out there and perhaps preying on real kids? It's interesting. That's the weirdest or, question. Or I've does ever it been asked. or does it make you or does would it make them want the real thing? You know what I mean? It could be. Well, I guess it would, de- it would depend on the quality of the construction. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's oh here here I got a picture for you right here. Here's a Here's from Real Doll, and uh, you can see they're they're getting a little bit better. I've always made fun of the sex robot dolls in the past. <laughs> they look that what ain't do you think? bad. <laughs> that ain't, that is not bad. This 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 one doll is laying on its side like all seductively with uh, and, he, and and she's staring right she's, into Dan's eyes right she's now. Stared, she's you got would totally long hit blonde hair. You would hit stacked. that huge rack. Huge huge rack. Uh, the nipples are blurred out, thank God. But everything you know, else is very visible. <laughs> <laughs> um, perfectly proportioned yeah uh but yeah some of some of these other questions are this guy says listen humans having sex with other humans uh who are unable to consent to sex like children and adults is seen as lawful unlawful and unethical so is human and animal sex so when these robots get good enough to have like self-awareness like Westworld, the TV show I often compare. Okay, okay. Is it like a crime because they're practic they're they're intelligent, they have artificial intelligence, but you got some three hundred and fifty pound dude in the double wide trailer oh, and he's climbing on top of you. You're painting a picture. I know. I like I do that here. I paint a lot I paint a lot of ugly pictures of humans and I'm not proud of it. Can you imagine? It's it's the middle of middle of summer. 
his boy. his swamp cooler broke. He's just sweating bullets. Uh, no, rolling, rolling, rolling around on his brand new ten year old robot. This that's disgusting. All right, uh, okay. Well, here's and here's a specific example. Uh, there is a brothel in Dublin, Ireland, and they rent out a sex doll with size thirty two e breasts for eighty pounds an hour. You know what her nickname is? Passion Dolly is her nickname. She gets scores of visitors every week. There's a, and there's a picture of Passion Passion uh, uh, Dolly right there. Those are some DSLs if I ever seen them. Those are those are the biggest <laughs> dick sucking lips I've ever seen in my life. Except the blonde, for the purple church. The blonde android has massive boobs. I'm reading from a British tabloid here. An hourglass figure and eerily lifelike facial fi- features fixed into a sexy pout. See, that's the part I can't get past. Is it's a, you know, that the face doesn't move. There's no expression changes. So I think once the game changer is going to be like once the robots get good enough to like actually you know react. Some of, some of us are used to uh, a featureless face. Anyways, <laughs> when, yeah. when you're when you're well, mounting. Yeah, well they're, well, they're like, are you in yet? <laughs> Uh, oh, Dan, you feel so good, Dan. Please <laughs> give it to me, Dan. More. More. Uh, described as Ireland's most realistic sex doll, Passion Dolly arrived at the Dublin brothel less than a month ago, and dozens of people have already had their way with her. How, okay, let me ask you this. How much does the guy get paid who has to clean up old Passion Dolly in oh between? Gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, dude. And water doesn't take it all away. No. No. <laughs> Um, the doll is imported from America. How about that? There's American jobs. How about that? Um, Gotta love them. Yeah. uh, uh, So Passion Dolly has a metal skeleton covered in silicone and responds to vibrations moving like a human. So once you, uh, you know, mount, uh, get up there, climb aboard. Oh, there's a, there's a better picture. Look at that. Huge, huge fake boobs. You're, 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 you're into it, aren't you? Passion. (laughs) I Honestly, I, I don't see, I don't see a problem with it. No, I don't, oh, I don't see a problem with it. I can see it uh, continuing a pretty fucked up uh, version of what women think their bodies are supposed to look like, and it, it is just like just like pornography does. Yeah, you know the the pornography it leads it leads normal women everybody they believe they have yeah. to have. Uh, the, they have to have the perfect vagina. Yep. Their labiaplasty. Do you know labiaplasty is like one of the biggest plastic surgeries in the world now? Because the, they see all the porn. To get the curtain yeah. back. Yeah, they want to trim it up. Wow. You know, or the anal bleaching or whatever the fuck else they're doing. Who even knows? Clean butthole. But that's it, Dan. Uh, that's all I got for you. We're going to cut it. We'll end on the high note with the old sex robots. Great job, man. I appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, you got anything you want to plug or anything like that? You got any social media? You're probably not into all that, are you? I don't have the social media. I stay too busy with school and Good on trips. you. So what's the, what's, in the, what's in the near future for you? You're uh, gonna you're planning intent on graduating, getting your bachelor's, and moving onward and upward. PA. I, I mean... The very near future is my hippie festival up in Oregon. Oh, where are you going? I don't know if you know this, but I'm a little bit left. Yeah, that's okay. This is a safe space, bro. There's no judging here. It's called symbiosis. Yeah, you sound uh, you sound really left wing, by the way. Yeah, thank you very much. (laughs) It's uh, it's it's, uh, some hippie art music festival up in Oregon for that full uh, solar eclipse that's coming up on August nineteenth. Nice. If you can uh, you can find it online, they've got like the path projected across the United States, and there's pretty much any any place you're at in the u.s you can find a place where the the moon will sorry where the sun will be completely covered 
and for the longest duration. Oh, that's like, going to be sweet. Path. So we'll be right along that. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, thank you for coming on and uh, getting in here and sharing some of your experiences. You know, we got a lot of people who listen to this uh, podcast who are like, you know, they're always, they, they love when I have guests on. I have, and I've had guests for virtually every military background, although you are the first uh, member of the Navy SEALs to come on. Probably, yeah. not, hopefully not the last. But, and uh, as a programming note, I wanted to shout out to all the people I started a Patreon account, which is a way for artists to get paid. It's patreon.com and you can look up BK Actual and you can commit a monthly pledge if you donate to the, if you enjoy the podcast. Just started it last week and I've had a great first week uh, so far. I especially want to give a shout out to my man Randall, who pledged 25 bucks a month. Uh, my man, uh, that's big of you. And hey, any of you who pledge, you can always adjust your pledges. You won't hurt my feelings. If you decide to pledge 10 bucks one month and then 50 cents the next month, Believe me, I don't keep track of it anyway. Anything you can give to contribute is for this place to get better equipment. Dan, you can see that I've got my ice pack underneath my primitive fucking MacBook here. So any uh, anything uh, people can contribute to keep this podcast going, and we're going to keep doing it better and better. So once again, Dan, thanks for coming on, brother. You're the man. Really appreciate having on. You're welcome back anytime, by the way. You, Thank you uh, so much. In. Uh, everybody out there, follow me on Twitter, at BKActual. And that's it for this week, and we'll see you next week.